Welcome to AFSPA Talks, a production of the American Foreign Service Protective Association with Chief Operating Officer Kyle Longton. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast channel. Enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of AFSPA Talks. I'm Kyle Longton, and along with me as always is... Hannah Wolfart. Hannah, it's August. It's back to school time. Um, I've, I've got kids going back to school. That's how far removed from back to school myself I am. But I think you're a little closer to, to back to school. It was only a few years ago for you, right? Yeah, only a, only like two and a half years ago. For oh, me. my. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we th- this, this year's back to school is a little different than I think it, it's ever been, or certainly than last year was for a lot of people. We've got um, students going back, some of them for the first time back in person for five days a week, and some of them back in person after 18 months of being virtual. Um, and, and I know that's been a challenge for the students, their parents, the teachers, everybody. And we've got a, we've got a little series coming out and um, to, to help talk about back to school, and maybe provide some tools or at least some information to our listeners about how to manage that. Um, and so we're, we're actually speaking today with an elementary school teacher, right? Yeah, we are speaking with an elementary school teacher, uh, Kara Rosenfeld, who will bring a lot of knowledge, I think, um, to our listeners about, you know, getting back into the classroom and dealing with children in the classroom during a pandemic. And I want to get to her bio in just a minute. But first, I want to mention that she's a teacher at Devers Elementary, which is actually on Fort Bragg in North Carolina. So she is actually a teacher within the Department of Defense Education Activity, um, which has schools on our military bases here in the United States, but also around the world. Um, and most specifically, she's part of the Domestic Dependent Elementary and Secondary Schools, or DDIS system, um, which operates 65 schools on 15 installations in seven states, Puerto Rico, and special shout out to my friends in Guam. Um, and they, but they serve this, this blows my mind. Every time I see it, approximately 27,000 students, um, wow. in those areas. And so it, you know, it's incredible. And I think a lot of people, even a lot of our members don't realize that, that these schools are there and that these teachers, those who are overseas spend their lives overseas, their, their entire career, they live there. They're, they're part of the local community as well as part of the base community. And um, the the teachers who who are overseas, as well as those in in Dita stateside, you know, fill a very specific and special role. And actually, Hana, you learned a little bit more about that recently in AFSPA's partnership with um, the Federal Education Association, which is one of the unions that represents some of these teachers. I wonder before we we jump into our, our conversation with Kara, if you could talk a little bit more about what you learned and also that that. Um, what came out of that discussion? Yeah, so I learned a lot on this project. Um, it was really fantastic to get to the opportunity to talk to all of these teachers um, that are part of the FEA. And, you know, they do such great work. And the video was cer- centered around the 25-year anniversary of AFSPA's relationship with the FEA. So we dug into the start of this relationship and how it evolved and grew and now where we are today. Um, which we work with the FEA all the time. And at the time, the president of the FEA, Jan Moore, was in search of better benefits for her members. And so she reached out to Paula Jacob, our CEO, and they had a conversation about how, you know, they could 
AFSPA could help the teachers out. And that's what happened. Um, and you guys can definitely check out that video. There will be a link to it to our YouTube page in the show notes. And and I'll just say that we are at, here at AFSPA are so proud to have this relationship with the FAA, but also that to be able to offer service to DOD civilians, our, our State Department folks, of course, and, and other agencies, but that relationship is very special, particularly with the teachers that goes back a quarter of a century now. And it was we're glad we could offer something to them, but they also came along at the right time for AFSPA and really helped us grow over the last 25 years. So one of the teachers and the one that we're talking to today is, as you mentioned before, Kara Rosenfeld. She is a native of New Mexico. It spent most of her life in North Carolina, where she attended Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools and then Appalachian State University for undergraduate, where she got a degree in elementary education and applied communication. She taught for five years um, in Orange County in North Carolina and then moved to Chapel Hill and taught for another four um, at the second grade level. And she got her master's in elementary education with a concentration in K through eight math from UNC Chapel Hill. Um, she married a soldier who's now retired, and um, they moved to Fort Bragg, where they're still in the area there. Um, she's taught third grade, first grade, and second grade, but also served as a math specialist. She is currently in her 22nd year of teaching and currently teaching at the first grade level at, as I mentioned before, Devers Elementary in Fort Bragg. And we we're fortunate to have her share a, a bit with us today about her experience over the last 18 months and offer some advice to parents out there who have kids returning to the classroom. So Kara Rosenfeld. Welcome to Aspa Talks. We're talking about back to school and your expertise and your experience is with elementary school students. Um, and what grade do you teach right now? I currently teach first grade. Okay. And how many students do you anticipate having in your class when this new school year starts? Um, anywhere from 14 to 16. Okay. All right. That's, that's a lot to manage when you've got six and seven year olds. Yes. Oh, good luck. Um, you know, we, we're talking about back to school and we're talking about children facing changes compared to, to what they may have had before. Um, and, and so if you could talk us a little bit, I mean, our members are spread around the world. Some saw their, their regular routine interrupted as early as January, 2020. Some of us as late as March, but obviously we're not back to normal yet. So could you talk a little bit about your experience um, when the pandemic hit North Carolina? Um, when the pandemic hit us, uh, I'm at Fort Bragg. Uh, our last day of school was March 16th and it was a quick shutdown. Um, the kids left and then we had about three, four days to get everything prepared to then send home with the children so parents could, could then come up and uh, get their materials. So that was difficult on the teacher's end because I didn't know everything I was going to need to teach the end of March through June. Um, so that was definitely chaotic and crazy. Plus, we were all then we were all expected as teachers and parents to start using um, Google and Google Slides and Google Meets, which we weren't 100% familiar with as well. So from March 2020 to June 2020, yes, um, it was definitely difficult. I will have to say for probably most of us, it wasn't the most exciting, engaging uh, teaching out there. Um, 
you know, a lot of students and parents got very frustrated, so they wouldn't show up. We weren't sure how to really conduct classes. So it was definitely frustrating. Uh, all of us, at least within my grade level, were very happy when June came and school was sure. over. And, and can I ask, I'm just curious, you know, during that time, how many hours of instruction were you you actually leading each day? And and that may have involved small groups. So how much instruction were was each student really getting each day? Um, we were told um, by our district that we couldn't have more than two and a half to uh, about two and a half, maybe three hours of actual student on face-to-face sitting time. Um, so because I have six-year-olds, some seven, um, it was a quick meet in the morning, like a 15 minute, you know, well check, everybody's here. Um, this is kind of what our day is going to look like. And then morning time, I would meet with small individual reading groups, uh, anywhere from two to three students. If student need individual help, one student, um, and then a break for lunch, um, and then I would meet in the afternoon for math. Again, these groups would not usually more than about 20 minutes a, a piece. Okay. okay. Yeah. Two, two to three students for 20 minutes and just trying to keep them engaged. I'm sure. Yes. And, and get something out of that time for them and for yourself. Right. So you had this summer and, and what happened when you all went back to school in the fall of 2020? We didn't go back. <laughs> we, um, we were told kind of at the last, no, I don't want to say at the last minute, that that's harsh. Uh, we were told, um, later than I would have liked that we were going to start remote, um, you know, remote, uh, meet the teacher, remote back to school. Um, and so that's kind of how we had more time to prep. And because we knew what really didn't work at the end of last year, my grade level really we we got together and said let's make our work smarter not harder uh so we each took you know a subject we created our google slides we showed with our grade level so starting um the school this past school year we started off on a much better foot um we we knew how to run small groups we knew it would keep them a little bit more engaged um so it, it, it worked a little bit better. Um, I'm not saying, again, it was any great because, again, you don't know exactly where each student is. Sure. Well, and, and at your grade level, I mean, you may have had some children who'd been in kindergarten the year before, but some may have been coming in from overseas after a transfer. Mm-hmm. They may have a variety of experience and I'm just curious, what was that like, and, and how did you approach that? As, as you know, trying to teach a student to read um, in twenty minutes a day virtually, what was that like? Difficult. Um, we did. We got we my grade level. I say we just myself and uh, in my classroom. I was. I did receive kindergartners who literally stopped school in March. Parents weren't putting their kindergartners online from March through June. So in August of 2020, I received, you know, seven month kindergartners, if you think about it like that. Um, So whatever they learned in those first seven months is kind of what I've got. And then of course the regression, as far as teaching uh, reading, 
honestly, what I did is I went and I had friends who teach kindergarten. I'm like, tell me what you do. Give me a list of your sight words. Um, give me some of those reading programs that you all use so I can incorporate that. Um, and then it did lead me to working, honestly, it crazy amounts of time meeting one-on-one with more than half of my class last year on top of them in a small reading group. So they were getting the social interaction with other children to read. So it was then just sight words, sight words, beginning reading, sounds, songs, writing, um, all of those things that you would, that you would do in kindergarten. Right. And, and really trying to bring them up to, to close to maybe at grade level. At grade, yeah. That would, that would have been nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked recently, um, you and I, and I shared that a lot of the schools I'm in the Washington DC Metro region, a lot of the schools down here, uh, didn't go back to in-person or if they did, um, they maybe went back in the spring or, um, and went back just part-time, maybe two days a week. And sometimes it was optional. Some, some of my colleagues, I know some of my friends had their kids continued virtual a hundred percent of last year, but I think it was a little bit different for you all. Yes. So, um, the system that I am in, there was a virtual school, uh, that you could choose to stay in all year if you chose to, or in January, um, you could have switched over to come back to in-person learning if you chose to. When we went back to school in February, it was like we had never left. It was five days a week, 7.30 to, well, for teachers, 7.30 to 3.30. Um, and it was just, you know, the kids learned to abide by the rules of social distancing, wearing your masks, um, not being able to do, not being able to have the movement within the school that they would normally have. Yeah. Um, How did you all handle things like, it's been a long time since I've been in in elementary school. My kids aren't quite there yet, but things like music class or PE or art class. um, So uh, last year, all the special area of music, art, they all came to our class and which, I mean, it was nice. I mean, because the kids were still able to get those specials, but it was difficult. The kids were in the classroom most of their day. There was no transitions. There was no getting up, moving around. Um, Special area teachers, I feel, you know, were a little bummed because they didn't get to do the things that they would normally do in a classroom if it was their own classroom. Um, But the kids adjusted. Kids were happy to be back. Kids were happy to be out of their home. Yeah. So it it worked. Yeah. And were you, were you, I mean, you talked about having these small groups in the afternoon or maybe the late morning for reading and math. And I take it that was maybe part of your instruction, your approach to instruction before the pandemic also. Oh yes. Was that something you were able to do once you all were back in person? And if so, sort of what safety um, requirements did you all have in place um, to, to make that, to facilitate that? We did, um, of course, if any parent probably knows and any educator, once you're back in a classroom and you have a thousand distractions, you're not getting as many small groups in as you care to. Um, A difference between, we call them the littles uh, and, and then the upper grades, but our littles, we would normally do centers. So students, while I was conducting a small group, students would be engaged working with others doing center work. 
because of the pandemic, they were not allowed to do that. Once we were back, it was always seat work. That is very difficult to have a small group and have students who truly at this point still were not independent. Being at home, they had a parent. Being at home, they got up and moved around when they wanted. They weren't disturbing anybody. Being back in the classroom, that was not the case. It was difficult. So when I did have a small group, the um, the small groups were a tad bit larger. There were usually three to four students. And of course, you know, we were masked and then we had a plexiglass, um, uh, a large plexiglass. Yeah. Like what we would Partition call of sorts. Teaching. Right. Okay. Um, I've, I've seen them at the elementary school, my, my neighborhood, it sort of sits on the desk in some yeah. places. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, but, but you mentioned something and it brings up another question for me that you know, you're talking about two to two and a half to three hours of like on-screen instruction and you switch over a weekend from that to full day instruction. And, and it, I have five-year-olds at home. Um, yeah. and, and you're, we're just talking, we're clo- talking close to that. I know how hard it is to keep their attention right now. Um, I, and, and if they were used to sort of doing their own thing for so long, um, how did that, that switch go? How is that different from maybe challenges that in pre-pandemic times and how did you manage that? Um, to begin, uh, when, when they first got back, it actually wasn't too bad, um, because I think a lot of, at least in my population of students, they were bored. They were bored at home. Um, they were tired of being at home with their parents. <laughs> so it was anything that, you know, Ms. Rosenfeld is doing for us. I get to see my friends, you know, I might not be listening to Ms. Rosenfeld, but I'm talking to my friends. Um, so that was definitely, they were willing to work because they knew that, oh, I will have outside playtime and then I will have lunchtime where I can talk to my friends and Ms. Rosenfeld will give us a little bit of free time to eat snack. Um, as the year progressed, they, of course, you know, I'm tired, I'm hungry. I don't want to do this anymore. Like most children. Uh, so it was a little bit more difficult and it was more difficult because it, it was, they you know, if they were doing partner work, it was just a partner. They could never really work in a small, small group and they couldn't share crayons and they couldn't um, sit with each other and just have fun and plan a computer together. So that was difficult. Um, as far as teaching, I kept my lessons short, same time, no, nothing more than 20 minutes. After a 20 minute time period, it was let's engage in doing some work. Um, so, so it was just that balance okay. of, of that. And then, you know, again, like I said before, let them eat, let them eat. I don't care. Eat all day. Just <laughs> keep your area clean, eat all day. If your parents pack it, you can eat it. I don't care. <laughs> and, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll stress that that was your rule for your classroom. Other, other teachers may have different, different guidance yes. for them. <laughs> yes. Um, I was about to say the upper elementary, like I have a friend who teaches fifth and she's like, I don't know how you do it, Kara. And my thought was, if they're eating, my rule is, if you eat, you're working. And if you're not working and you're eating, I'm going to take the food away because you don't really, it's not a rule. And the kids wanted that food. So it was just, it was very simple, you know, a couple of goldfish here and a couple of writing sentences. So it was good. <laughs> I, I like that approach. That That's my approach to working at home also. Yeah. A little bit of work, a couple of emails, a uh, bag of chips. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, well, and let me ask, cause we didn't touch on this, but I know people who's, who haven't had kids or in school or kids who haven't been in school have concerns about 
how well kids will keep a mask on during the day. If that's one of the requirements in school, um, did you have any problems with, with kids keeping masks on? No, not really. If you see your friends doing it, you're going to do it. Um, if you see your teacher doing it, you're going to do it. Um, it's, you know, it is definitely one of those, once it's there, it, it just, it, it becomes a norm mm-hmm. for most people. And, and lately it has become normal for most of us. Um, there are times where they'll take it off. Like my students will take it off in the cafeteria to eat their lunch and then they'll forget to put it back on when they line up and you're just like, Oh, you know, you know, little Sally, make sure you put your mask on. Mm -hmm. Um, they'll sneeze, they'll pull it down, sneeze into their elbow. They'll forget to pull it back up, you know, just pull it back up over your nose. But as far as actually having to consistently remind kids, I didn't have to do that. They were pretty good about it. Okay. That's, that's great to hear. Um, yeah. It might be a little bit more difficult coming back this coming year because yeah. the, the mask rule was, you know, they kind of went away with the mask rule. So it might be a little bit more difficult, but hopefully not. <laughs> okay. And, and you mentioned some the other day about mask cleanliness. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to share with parents who are listening and, and might be, you know, trying to plan for their kids and maybe what, what to pack is extra in the backpack, keep it, keep in the desk, what to do in the evenings and the mornings getting ready for school. Um, Amazon is amazing. They, you can buy like a 50 thing of children masks disposable and they all colors, all characters. And for, for what I did in my room and what I did with my own children was they had a plastic baggie of extra masks. Each kid had to pack. So if the mask got dirty, they could put their mask away or throw it away pending and then get a new mask. I do suggest that if parents send their children in with like the breathable mask, you know, the, the ones that are a little bit thinner, I don't mm-hmm. know what they're made of, um, breathable masks have a five day supply and mark them, you know, put them in baggies or however, you know, parents like to do those and mark it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So every day they're bringing, they're wearing a brand new one instead of reusing. Because if we're not, if parents aren't washing them, they're, yep. they're carrying more germs probably yeah, than they're, they're preventing yeah, from school. Yep. Yep. And we, we, we have the wonder woman in my, my house, but we've also, you know, panda bears, unicorns, rainbows, Marvel, every, every start and finish everywhere, disposable in the cloth. So, um, yeah, it's, unfortunately we can't put them away yet. Um, so we got to keep them safe. So let me ask just generally, we've, we've hit on a couple points. Um, but I want to say, you know, for parents who are listening and looking for advice from an an experienced educator, who's been through the virtual learning and, and the returning to in-person, what would you tell them if they're trying to figure out how best to prepare and support their elementary school age kid who's returning to school? Um, like I, I've said, be proactive. All children are coming in probably not where every parent wants their child to be and where every teacher would love their child to be. And it's understandable. Um, I understand, you know, um, certain counties have ended great testing. We also have a different kind of testing in our system. You know, parents start to worry, don't. We're all there. Our administrators know where we're at. Um, just be proactive with what your child is doing now within school. 
talk to your kid every day about what they're, I mean, these are just normal things that you should, yeah. you should be doing anyways, but you know, talk to your kid about what they're learning, look at what they're learning. Um, you know, have that open communication with the teacher. You know, my child tried to read a story to me last night and I saw that my child was having trouble with this. Let the teacher know. See, you know, just having that open communication with your teacher, with your child, that's going to be the best. Um, don't blame teachers. We're doing our best. I, and like I said, uh, when we talked earlier, um, we are under the same mandates and restrictions. Uh, we have not made any of these. In fact, we would take away all masks if we could. We would have small groups. We would be on the floor learning, getting dirty every day if we could. Um, understand that we are doing our best and we're trying to give your child everything he or she. And there are going to be slip ups and we are going to mess things up. And if you do have concerns, you know, address us in a nice, well-toned manner. And, you know, as, as I tell all of my parents at the beginning of the year, it's a team effort. Your child, I don't teach your child. We teach your child. So let's work together and we'll do the best that we can. And as crazy as things are, we're going to make it through and we're all going to be happy and healthy and we're just going to do it. I think that that's a great way for all of us to approach it. Um, speaking as a parent uh, of kids at that age. So uh, Kara, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? You know, you know, hopefully things will start to go back to normal and all the children will be happy in school and parents can kind of get back into their own routine. And again, it's a team effort. As long as we're all open communication, I think everything is going to be well. As the the son-in-law and many times over grandson of uh, generations of teachers, I, I support you there, and um, I know that that our our listeners will as well. So, thank you so much for joining us today yeah. and, and for sharing your perspective and your experience. And uh, I'm sure that there's many people out there who are going to benefit from it. And uh, we wish you luck as the new school year starts. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Ask for Talks, a production of the American Foreign Service Protective Association. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show and tell your friends about it. We welcome your feedback on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Look for at Ask the Cares. All information offered in this podcast is meant to be educational. Comments offered by the hosts or guests are not intended as medical advice. Please direct questions about your personal health needs to a provider. Should there be any discrepancy between information offered in this podcast and official plan documents for the Foreign Service Benefit Plan or other products offered by ASPA, the policy provisions will prevail. Special thanks as always to Hannah Wolfhart for producing, editing, and mixing this episode. We'll see you next time.